MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, November 20th, 2020. Today, inquiries into the president and his business, one criminal and one civil, are now looking at tax deductions taken on consulting fees. One of the pathologists that assisted with Michael Brown's autopsy has been indicted on 10 counts of wire fraud. Trump loses a few more court cases, bringing his record to 2-31. and 31. The CDC is recommending not to travel for Thanksgiving this year. The top two Michigan GOP legislators have been invited to the White House on Friday. A Trump nonprofit forged signatures to remove Democratic voters from Florida rolls. We have disturbing new details in the plot to kidnap and kill Governor Gretchen Whitmer. A Maryland man is arrested for threatening Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And Trump called one of the Wayne County Republican canvassers before they tried to change their vote not to certify the election results. I'm your host, A.G. Happy Friday, everyone. Big show today. It is Friday, so that means Amy Carrero is going to be joining me for the Good News Block at the end of the show. Uh, I will also be having a conversation with former federal and former state prosecutor Ellie Honig about the Trump election shenanigans in Michigan. And I think it will put your mind at ease. Uh, Our happy hour starts later today at 4 Pacific time. That's for patrons. So check your email for the Zoom link. Uh, If you want to become a patron, it's just three bucks a month. It gets you ad-free episodes. You get the episodes early. You can hear all the book club episodes. And you get access to the Zoom calls and the newsletter. It's uh, really worth it. Also, we will be off on Thanksgiving and the day after. I will will probably put out some short ad-free headline updates for you, but we won't have full episodes those days. We do have a lot of headlines to get to, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, lead story just dropped. Big one tonight from the New York Times. Two separate New York state fraud investigations, state fraud investigations into Trump and his businesses, there's one criminal and one civil, have expanded to include tax write-offs on millions of dollars in consulting fees some of which went to Ivanka Trump, and this is according to people with knowledge of the matter. The inquiries, uh, a criminal investigation by the Manhattan DA Cy Vance and a civil one by State Attorney General Letitia James, are being conducted independently of one another, but both offices issued subpoenas to the Trump Organization in recent weeks for records related to those consulting fees. The subpoenas were the latest steps in the two investigations of the Trump org and underscore the legal challenges awaiting the president when he leaves office in January. There's no indication that his daughter is a focus of either inquiry, which the Trump organization has derided as politically motivated. This development follows recent New York Times reporting of more than two decades of Trump's tax records. We talked about this when we found out that consulting fees were being paid to Ivanka. They found they had paid little or no federal income taxes in most years, largely because of his chronic business losses. Among the revelations, that Mr. Trump reduced his taxable income by deducting about $26 million in fees to unidentified consultants as a business expense on numerous projects between 2010 and 2018. Some of those fees appear to have been paid to Ivanka Trump. Uh, On a 2017 disclosure she filed when joining the White House as a presidential advisor, she reported receiving payments from a consulting company she co-owned, totaling $747,000. And that's exactly matching the consulting fees claimed as a tax deduction by the Trump Organization for hotel projects in Hawaii and Vancouver, British Columbia. 
The subpoenas were focused on fees paid to a firm on her disclosures, uh, TTT Consulting, LLC, and represented just a tiny portion of the $26 million. That's according to a person with knowledge of the matter. The name of the firm appears to be a reference to Mrs. Trump and other members of her family, the three Trumps, TTT Consulting. Ms. Trump was an executive officer of the Trump companies that made the payments, meaning she appears to have been treated as a consultant while also working for the company. While companies can deduct professional fees, the IRS requires consulting arrangements be market-based and reasonable, as well as ordinary and necessary to running a business. Uh, Alan Garten, who is the counsel for the Trump Organization, said in a statement, this is just the latest fishing expedition and an ongoing attempt to harass the company. The IRS sometimes rejects attempts to write off consulting fees if they were meant to avoid taxes and did not reflect arm's-length business relationships. It is not known if the IRS has ever questioned the Trump Organization about this practice. The tax benefit to Mr. Trump from deducting the fees on his company's federal returns would also be reflected on his New York state returns, making it of possible interest to the state. The Office of the District Attorney and the Attorney General declined to comment, and a lawyer for Ivanka didn't return calls either. So these would be state crimes. These would be unpardonable. Um, very interesting. So, again, it's one criminal investigation by Cy Vance, one civil investigation by Tish James. And from the Washington Post today, a Kansas man accused of performing illegal autopsies has been indicted on 10 counts of federal wire fraud, and the government wants to recover more than a million dollars in fees paid to him by clients. This indictment accuses Sean Parcells, 41, of Leewood, of falsely leading people to believe they would receive an autopsy report from a pathologist And this is according to federal prosecutors for Kansas in a news release. Parcells is a self-taught pathology assistant with no formal education. How in the fuck do you... Like, I taught myself guitar, right? Um, But pathology? Autopsies? How do you... Self-taught pathologist. And from 1996 to 2003, Parcells worked as a pathology assistant for Jackson County Medical Examiner's Office in Missouri. Hmm. Now, here's what WAPO's leaving out. Parcells assisted the guy named Baden in the autopsy of Michael Brown. Uh, He was fired. uh, Baden was fired from his medical examiner job in New York in the 70s and also happened to be the dude that Jeffrey Epstein's brother hired to do Epstein's autopsy. Baden concluded in that autopsy that Epstein's death was a homicide, likely because Epstein's brother would not be allowed to collect the insurance money if it were ruled a suicide. So that guy's assistant in the Michael Brown autopsy, Parcells, he's now facing 10 counts of wire fraud. Um, Now, people seem to be saying the CDC is regrowing its spine because it's recommending no Thanksgiving travel. However, it's not mandating anything, so not really. Quote, it's not a requirement, it's a recommendation for the American public to consider. That's Dr. Henry Walk, the CDC's COVID-19 incident manager. Uh, Right now, he said, especially as we're seeing this sort of exponential growth and the opportunity to translocate disease or infection from one part of the country to another, it leads to our recommendations to avoid travel at this time. Other CDC guidelines for Thanksgiving include having guests bring their own food, drinks, plates, and utensils, offering disposable food containers as well as single-use salad dressings and condiment packets, avoiding congregating in the kitchen as much as possible, hosting gatherings outside with as few people as possible, and clearly explaining mitigation efforts with guests ahead of time. Next, a nonprofit created to support President Donald Trump and his administration gave more than $2 million in 2019 to a newly formed group whose contacts with voters came under investigation in Florida and North Carolina this year. This is according to a new tax filing from the group America First Policies. America First Policies president is named Brian Walsh. 
The group gave grants to three nonprofits, Florida First, North Carolina First, and Pennsylvania First, all of which uh, is list a director named Brian Walsh. That's according to incorporation records filed in Texas. America First Policies gave three fledgling nonprofits nearly $2.3 million collectively. That's according to the 990 tax filing. By law, nonprofits such as America First Policies cannot have partisan politics as a primary purpose, but there's no prohibition against spending money on voter registration work. And in June of 2019, America First Policies announced it would seek to spend more than $20 million registering voters in Florida, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Georgia ahead of the 2020 elections. Earlier this year, voters contacted the North Carolina State Board of uh, Elections to report strange calls involving their voter registration. This is according to a report by North Carolina station WBTV. Investigators for the State Board of Elections initially contacted a lawyer for similarly named North Carolina-based group, a similarly named North Carolina-based group, who said his client wasn't involved. The lawyer filed a complaint with the North Carolina Secretary of State's office, saying he also received complaints about the Texas-based group's outreach to voters. WBTV reported that investigators for the North Carolina Secretary of State's office reached out to the Texas-based group and subsequently forwarded the information to the office of the state attorney general, where the investigations appeared to have fizzled out. A spokeswoman for the state attorney general's office said it does not have an active investigation into the group. Patrick Gannon, a spokesman for the North Carolina State Board of Elections, said the board has received no additional information or complaints about North Carolina First. The new America First policies tax filing shows the Texas-based North Carolina First group received $325,000 in a grant in 2019. Florida First, the most high-profile of the three groups, got the biggest grant from America First policies, $1.5 million. But Florida's first voters registration push hit controversy last March when authorities said more than 100 voter registration forms submitted by the group had forged signatures, unauthorized party registration switches, and other problems. Authorities charged a canvasser from the group with 10 felony counts of submitting false voter registration info, but said they did not believe Florida First itself was engaged in or encouraging fraud. The group had submitted nearly 50,000 voter registration forms in the Sunshine State as of August 2020. That's according to the Tampa Bay Times. And by October, Republicans were pointing to voter registration numbers as a strong sign for them in Florida, a state that Trump ultimately won. And now we have some disturbing new details in the plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer. New filings claim there was a Plan B to the militiamen um, th- that they had drawn up that involved a takeover of the Michigan Capitol building by 200 combatants who would stage a week-long series of televised executions of public officials. And according to the government documents now on file in a lower Michigan court, there was also a Plan C, which was just burning down the state house, leaving no survivors. And in a related story, a Maryland man was indicted late Wednesday for threatening former Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Kamala Harris uh, and supporters with a letter in Frederick in early October. Frederick, Maryland. This letter threatening the candidates for president and vice president, specifically Biden and Harris, was left on the doorstep of a Frederick home on the morning of October 4th at around 4.30. A person dropping off the letter was caught on a ring doorbell camera. The residents said they didn't know the man, but had several signs in the yard that supported Biden and Harris. The letter reads in part, this is a warning to anyone reading this letter. If you are a Biden-Harris supporter, you will be targeted. We have a list of homes and addresses by your election signs. We are the ones with those scary guns. We are the ones your children have nightmares about. The rest of the letter is too graphic to detail, but claims that they will allegedly beat Biden and sodomize Harris before executing them on live television. 
And days after he was indicted as a suspect, James Dale Reed, aged 42, from Frederick, admitted writing and delivering the letter, and he was arrested. So that's, those are the headlines. Uh, we'll be right back. We're going to talk to Ellie Honig, CNN legal analyst, former federal and state prosecutor. And he's got a book coming out next summer, too, all about Bill Barr. You do not want to miss this conversation. We're going to talk about the Rudy Giuliani press conference that happened today, uh, along with uh, what's going on in Michigan and what we can expect. So stick around. You don't want to miss it. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Thanks for listening to The Daily Beans. This episode is brought to you by the good people at Raycon. They make the best wireless earbuds ever. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard me rave about them. Uh, They make them for a fraction of the cost of most wireless earbuds because everyone needs a a good pair, right? And you could drop easily a couple hundred bucks. But don't. Check out Raycon. Their earbuds start about half the price. And uh, they sound as amazing or better than some of the other top audio brands. Uh, Their newest model, it's called the Everyday E25 earbuds, are the best ones yet. They have six full hours of playtime, seamless seamless Bluetooth pairing, a really deep, rich bass, and uh, a compact design. It gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. I love the wireless earbuds by Raycon because they're super comfortable, perfect for conference calls or podcasts, audiobooks, when you're out there walking the pod dog. Um, I always lose my earbuds, but because they're so affordable, I bought a a bunch of pairs of Raycons. So now I have a bunch of backups and everyone could use better earbuds. They're so much more comfortable, the Raycons, than other wireless options I've tried. A lot of other ones give me headaches, but these are so comfortable and they're discreet. They don't have dangling wires or stems to distract anyone from video calls. The sound is clear. It's no wonder that celebrities like Melissa Etheridge and Snoop and Cardi B all use Raycons. So you can listen to I'm the Only One, Gin and Juice, and WAP. See what all the hype is about. Now is the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash starburns. That's buyraycon.com slash starburns for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Again, buyraycon.com slash starburns. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today is CNN legal analyst and a friend of ours, also former federal and state prosecutor, Ellie Honig. Ellie, how are you? Allison, I'm good. First of all, um, I like that you introduced me as a friend of ours. That sort of brings me back to my mob days. I think this means I've been officially introduced to the audience. You're a made man. <laughs> a friend of ours, a friend of mine. Those are two different things, right? Um, <laughs> mob, wait, to be clear, mob prosecutor days. Sometimes I say mob days. <laughs> Um, but, um, but beyond that, my head is, is still hurting from the Rudy, Jenna Ellis, Sidney Powell train wreck nightmare of a press conference, 90 minutes of it. Yeah. Elite strike force. (laughs) Elite strike force. I mean, I, I, if I, if I was drinking something, I would have done an absolute spit take. I love it. The elite Mm -hmm. strike force. I, gosh, they, they need to get windbreakers made up. It's that old Saturday Night Live uh, commercial, right? The oh. we we ran out of uh, names, so and and web addresses, so we're Elite Strike Force at clownpenis.fart. Yeah. Well, the best part is the elite. We're the Elite Strike Force. Yet we have nothing. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get to that because I want to talk yeah. to you about that because mm-hmm. there's some really great little legal gems that came out of that. Uh, uh, other than the, the the makeup melting off of the face, oh my God. Uh, there 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 was some really interesting. Uh, I can't even call them legal points. Uh, just absolutely outrageous. Yeah. But first, I wanted to talk to you about Michigan because I can't believe. And now, you know, my question all day has been uh, since we found out, you know, Tuesday night, the the county canvassers, there's a board of four of them, 
two of them voted not to certify the results in Wayne County. And then they took a a beating for about two hours in a public forum, or I I think it was a public forum, and then changed course and then certified uh, for nothing, unanimously certified the results. And apparently Trump made a phone call to one of them, Palmer, this woman, uh, personally, and although she says, hey, you know, he, he just wanted to make sure I was okay because of the death threats yeah. and whatnot. Um, but then they tried to rescind their votes certifying the election. And what was interesting to me is that one of the other uh, members actually put forward a, a, a second motion to basically make those results non-rescindable. Right. Uh, having the foresight to know that Republicans were going to pressure these two folks to change their votes. And it was Trump himself. Now, this is illegal. I know, you know, uh, U.S. Code Title 18, Section 595. You can't do that. But for state law, and I'm having a hard time finding anything that says that it's illegal, but it's certainly improper. Although Joe Biden just got up and talked for a while and said, it's improper, but he's speaking directly about yeah. Michigan and it might be illegal. What are your thoughts on this? So first of all, this is one of these scenarios where it's so bizarre and it's so insane that it may actually fall, like sort of dodge the raindrops and fall in between any existing crime. I mean, look, you know, I feel for the people who write the criminal code here. Like, obviously, it evolves over the years and you add crimes and that kind of thing. But I, I think it's understandable that it never occurred to anybody. Like, what if the president starts pressuring county level officials to, you know I mean, right? Like, that's just kind of not on the books because who would have ever thought of that? Right. And you can't write in every possible legal right. scenario into the code right. because otherwise you're just going to have rooms and rooms full of one law. Exactly. I mean, exactly. And even under federal law, I mean, look, let me start with this. It's wildly inappropriate. I mean, what happened and in ways and dangerous in ways that we can talk about. But even under the federal law, this 18 uh, USC 595, not to not to get too deep into the weeds here, but the statute applies to a person employed in any administrative position by the United States or any department or agency thereof. I mean, you know what the first argument would be if, if, if Donald Trump were ever charged with this, he would say, that's not me. That's not the president. The mm-hmm. president's not an administrative position. The president's, they've argued before in other contexts, the president is not even in, in, an employee of the United States. He's something different. He's a constitutional officer. So there would be a loophole argument here that this statute, the federal statute doesn't even apply. Now, who knows? I mean, they could, you could duke that out and, and all that. Um, and, and Michigan state law, I mean, again, like God bless the Michigan, you know, Michigan state lawmakers, they try their best. They have that. I'm looking at this long list of federal of state level election crimes, but I don't really see one that clearly applies to this because who could have thought of it? (laughs) Yeah, the closest I think we get is what, 168-392-A or something like that? Yeah, 932-A. Yeah. Uh, Person shall not in an election. Uh, Oh, no, wait, that's falsely assuming someone else's name. (laughs) That's not quite as bad. Um, uh, Let's see. Yeah, a person oh, wait, shall not attempt by bribery or other me- menace or other corrupt means to influence an elector in giving his or her vote. I mean, you know, a lot of this is is both state and federal law is focused on you can't mess with an elector. But I would even right. again, another technical argument is these are your county officials. These are not actual electors, right? No, it does say in the definition of a county canvasser in Michigan law that they have to be electors. Right. 
they have to be, be you know, but that that doesn't mean that they are in this scenario. Exactly. And that would be the legal argument. But I think I think the, the real point that people are, are, are focusing on rightly is the pressure put on by the president. And look, again, to go back to my mob prosecuting days, you know, we used to I used to charge extortion cases. And a lot of times the defense would be you'd get the victim or the person who was shaken down or pressured on the stand. And the cross-examination would be like, well, did he ever say he was going to kill you? No. Did he ever say he was going to harm you physically? No. Did he ever, you know, threaten, did he ever throw a rock through your window? No. Oh, okay. So you had no basis to be scared. But, you know, of course the person knows darn well, A, who's talking to them, whether it's in this case, the president or in the mob case, the mob capo or boss or soldier or what have you. And look, you know, you know just because the magic words weren't said, just because the, the person doing the threatening or intimidating or coercing doesn't get up and recite the statutory elements doesn't mean there's not obviously a pressure uh, motive involved here. Right. And that's how Trump, yeah. that's Trump's MO from the beginning. We've talked yeah. about this all the time. Co- Cohen even testified like it's a wink and a nod. It's not, of course, you know, at, or like in, in the Ukraine matter, you know, I'd like you to do us a favor, though, is pretty clear, but it's still not a direct recitation of the code. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and And Trump has managed to sort of dodge bullets that way. It helped him. Like you said, Michael Cohen testified about it. It helped him with Ukraine. I mean, he knows how to say just enough. Um, so look, I think w- the way we should regard this is yet another attempt by the president to undo the democratic process, to undermine our democracy. It shows a level of desperation that he's now count- calling and <laughs> directly sort of courting, pressuring, whatever you want to call it, um, soliciting county level election officials. It, it's, it's ludicrous. And by the way, I mean, just to keep this all in perspective a little bit, if they manage to flip the result in Michigan, or if they manage to keep Michigan from certifying its votes, that in itself would be miraculous in a bad way, but miraculous. Um, and they, and they would need to do it then for three of two other States. So, you know, look, I do shudder a bit to think about, gosh, what if this all did come down to one state? And what if that one state was close? I mean, we're never going to have a Bush versus Gore 500 vote one state scenario again. But what if we did? What if we had what if it all came down to one state and it was a 3000 vote differential? I mean, this would then we'd be into really scary territory here. Yeah, I, I agree. And and something else about Michigan now that the top two GOP state legislators are traveling or have been invited to travel to the White House on Friday. And that seems extremely wildly, as you say, inappropriate as well. And the concern here is that because the the Michigan state legislatures have said, look, we're not going to appoint a new slate of electors. But I I guarantee you that's what Trump is going to try to pressure them to do if they, in fact, go to the White House on Friday. 100 percent. That's exactly what he's trying to do. I think you and I talked about this last week. Um, It's not going to fly. It's not going to fly. It's gross that he's trying. But it's not going to fly, first of all, because I still don't believe that the majority of Republican lawmakers, state lawmakers in Michigan would go along with this simply because I have some minimal faith. And God help you if you do. I mean, if you are a state lawmaker and you certify an election result contrary to the way that your state voted, you're go- like you will be voted out of office the next time you're up. And you will, if not expelled or recalled or whatever your mechanism your state has before that, and your name will go down as a black mark in history if you do that. Um, So let's start with that. I'm also not even convinced it would fly legally. Let's say these two Republican state lawmakers in Michigan 
come back after meeting at the White House and say, hey, Republican caucus, let's let's appoint our own slate of electors. I mean, that goes to the courts. The Democrats challenge that. And I don't know that I, I would I would favor the Democrat side there because there is an existing state law in Michigan that says, guess how we choose our electors based on the popular vote. So, you know, everyone sort of comes back to this constitutional correctly, this constitutional provision that says it's up to state legislatures how to choose your electors. Guess what? They've already done that. They've already said mm-hmm. in Michigan and every other state, we choose our electors based on the popular vote. You can change that law. But it's, it can't be retroactive. It can't be we're going to change it now when it applies to the last election. If they want to change that law and get it through both houses and get their governor to sign it and say we're going to do it different in 2024, go for it. But you can't change yeah. it after 2020 and say now that applies backwards to 2020. No. And on top of that, uh, even if they could convince the entire caucus, uh, if, if they were convinced themselves to completely end and destroy their legal career or their political careers, uh, I, I am now more well-versed in Michigan election law than I ever care to be. Uh, but it's Big Gretch that signs off yeah. on the on the certification of the electors. Right. I don't even know that it would go to court. I, I just imagine Gretch, if, even if this happened, which it probably won't, right. she would just ignore it, sign off on the electors after they, they meet and certify that way. That's that's how they do it in Michigan. I think that's exactly the, the sort of conflict that would lead us into the courts, right? You'd have the legislature saying, oh, right, right. well, it's our folks and, and Whitmer saying, no, I'm certifying it's it's these folks. And by the way, uh, good moment for, for the leadership of Michigan. I mean, Gretchen Whitmer has been so impressive throughout this. And, and how about the secretary of state? I think her name is Jocelyn Benson. I just saw her on mm-hmm. on air. I mean, so poised, so calm um, and sort of was very reassuring. She was on CNN, um, you know, uh, what day is this? Thursday afternoon. And when all this news was breaking, it basically said, we have our process. We're going to certify this election based on the outcome of our state's vote. And all this other nonsense is not going to deter us from that. So, uh, you know, a a hat tip to, to Secretary of State Benson as well. Yeah, I saw her uh, just a a little bit ago uh, on CNN answering the questions. And I think it was Brianna. uh, She she kept trying to say, well, what if they do this? What if they do that? And she's like, look, man, this is this is what we do. And Joe won and we're going to certify it that way. And that's how we do it. So she just kept kind of repeating herself there. Like, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to entertain the conspiracy theory hypotheticals uh, yep. of, uh, you know, that you're asking me. I have to take a quick break. Will you stick around? Because I have a couple of more questions. Yes. All right, great. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG for The Daily Beans. And this segment of the podcast is brought to you by Echelon, which provides connected fitness at an affordable price. Being stuck at home a lot when I'm not being active or moving, I start to crave that rush of endorphins from exercise. It's really important for my mental health, too. There's nothing quite like the, you know, the feeling of finishing a workout. And Echelon prides itself on being, help you, being able to help you achieve all your fitness goals. Their service is amazing. One Echelon membership lets up to five people in your household enjoy all the benefits. I love the huge variety of equipment and programs that they offer. They have connected bikes by Echelon. They give you an immersive studio experience, which I love. They have smart rowers that take you down the best waterways in the world. And they have the Reflect Smart Mirrors for personal training at the touch of a button. And there's just one app to connect them all. Echelon United provides access to all content throughout Echelon's products. And they have thousands of on-demand classes available. And they have 30-plus accredited world-class trainers. And they have guests and celebrity instructors pop in. So work out with the Echelon community. You can inspire each other to climb the leaderboards. Echelon has been featured in Women's Health, Cosmopolitan, Time, People. The Wall Street Journal says Echelon has cracked the code. Yahoo Finance says Echelon, where fitness and technology unite at a price you can afford. 
So if you want to turn things around and get in the best shape of your life, check them out, echelonfit.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're talking to CNN legal analyst and friend of ours, <laughs> Ellie Honig. Uh, so we've talked about Michigan. Everybody, don't worry. And uh, but it's so wildly inappropriate, right? I just want I I'm like I want the Michigan Attorney General to just arrest Donald Trump, but that's my <laughs> dream. Not sure that'll fly, but I hear you. Yeah, it's just like, come on, man, you're just right out. It's like, okay. Anyway, uh, let's talk about elite strike force at. <laughs> clown penis dot fart for a minute because we've got now i didn't see victoria tonesig up there um so that means there were only two lawyers who are on the payroll of dimitri Furtosh that were on that stage uh today and then of course we had uh jenna ellis uh wonder lawyer and then uh, Sidney powell who is yeah. the, the treasonous representor of Michael Flynn. Uh, tr- I'm I'm throwing the word treasonous around. She's n- technically not, but you know what I mean. Uh, anyway, so they're up there, and it, it, talk about your top line thoughts about this uh, press conference. Oh boy. Uh, so okay, I, I want people to understand this. That is not what lawyers do. That is not what real, legitimate, half decent lawyers are or do. I mean. That is like if you hired a couple of actors to play the part of the nutty lawyers off the rails. I mean, Rudy Giuliani once was a substantial, impressive lawyer. I mean, it's hard to get your head, my head around this, but he was the U.S. attorney for the SDNY, my future office after he was there. And he did great cases and he was a strong leader, but he is far, far gone. And Jenna Ellis has never tried a case in her life. Um, Sidney Powell is, is just talking about dictators who died a decade ago and how they're behind this Hugo Chavez. Um, that was just a clown show. I mean, there's just no better way to put it. Now, look, I I don't want to minimize it because a lot of people were alarmed by what they saw. And I think rightly so, because here you have people vowing and threatening with the support and encouragement of the president to try to overthrow this election outcome to undermine our democratic process. I mean, look, there's no bottom. They'll stop at nothing. But but take solace in this. They've got nothing. They've got nothing. Fact-wise, all they want to do is scream about wild conspiracy theories. Look, if this is an elite strike force, where's your proof? Shouldn't the elite strike force have put the proof on the table already? Not just wild Alex Jones-like, uh, you know, conspiracy theories theories. So they've got no proof. They don't, they have no idea what they want to do legally. They're just going into courts and yelling about, about, you know, crazy things about the constitution that are untrue and, and, you know, have no bearing on reality and they're getting nowhere. They've, they've won no significant victories in courts. They're, they're Mark Elias, who's the, the sort of lead democratic lawyer keeps a running tally. I think he has them as, as one win and 30 losses, so far, uh, th- it's thirty-one. About five minutes ago, they lost another one in PA. Yeah, so they're getting nowhere. And as I've said before, again, you have the equivalent of like in baseball, they would call it an insurance run, right? If if, if a team is winning by one run in baseball and then they score another, it gives them a cushion. And again, remember, even if they pull off some miracle and they flip one state. They've really got to flip three of these states in order to make a difference. Now, if they flip one, it will be an all-time sort of shame on democracy um, and, and set a horrible precedent. But they got to do that times three in order to change this. And, and, and I just – I think we have enough guardrails in, in place and enough sane, competent local officials of both parties 
who, who will not allow this to happen. Yeah. And I hope the country is watching this kind of press conference as as the farce that it is and that nobody's giving it any weight, because that's the only actual damage here. Right. Is the damage yeah. it, it does to to our democracy, to what we look like yep. globally. And I think my favorite part here and you can you can speak to this was when Jenna Ellis was asked where the evidence was. And she said, your question is fundamentally flawed when you ask where's the evidence. You clearly don't understand the legal process. Yeah, spoken like somebody with zero career trials under her belt. Yeah, I'm I'm not a lawyer, as you know, but I have <laughs> yeah. seen leg- Legally Blonde, and I remember the <laughs> lesson in class where she talks about, don't you need evidence? Yes. Well, kind of like for evidentiary support, Yes, right. you know, and, and right. uh, so I I know that. <laughs> yeah, um, no, exactly. I mean, they, they just they are substituting volume and, and and anger for actual evidence, right? You you can't make it so by sheer volume and repetition. And again, you, hey man, you guys called yourself the elite strike force, so elite strike force. Let's see what you got. Where is it? Where's that? You know, uh, they, they they've shown nothing, and. Look, what, what not only are they undermining democracy and public confidence and, and really, you know, the way the world looks at us, but th- they're laying a foundation because they're going to be crying and screeching about this for years into the future. And all of this stuff is going into the memory bank for them. And, you know, if you see the, the, the polls that are out there, the number of people who believe that this election was somehow fraudulent or tainted, I mean, the number of people who voted for President Trump who believe that is startling. It's well over 50 percent. I think I saw 70 percent of Trump voters believe that this election is being stolen. That is insane. And it's alarming. But it comes from crap like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, we probably didn't help in 2016 when we (laughs) when we put out a podcast saying perhaps this election was stolen. Oh, see, I was not a friend of the podcast at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, you know, at least we were hacked. Uh, There was an attempt. Um, And, you know, we had the whole Cambridge Analytica, Russia. Remember those days, the good old days? Oh, sure. No, I mean, yeah, it it seems almost quaint by comparison. Mm, It is droll. It has become droll. But uh, I appreciate you coming on today and talking to us. Uh, And tell everyone where they can follow you and find your stuff. Uh, Twitter, Ellie Honig, E-L-I-E-H-O-N-I-G. I'm the only Ellie Honig. There's not some Ellie Honig two or three. Um, that's one of the advantages of having an unusual name. And my book is coming out this summer. It's on Amazon. If you search my name, it's called Hatchet Man. It's about how Bill Barr has corrupted the Justice Department over his two years in office. Can't wait for that to come out. Thanks so much. CNN legal analyst, former federal state and prosecutor, former federal and state prosecutor. Ellie Honig, I appreciate your time today. Always happy to join you. Thanks, Allison. Everybody, we got more show on the other side of this break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. One unexpected side effect of this year, it seems like fast fashion has gone away. So because I have no idea what fashion trends are even going on right now, uh, what I like to do is I don't buy for now. I buy for forever. So for timeless pieces that will last a lifetime of wear, check out Faerty. 
Faherty makes high-quality, comfortable clothing for life. They're sustainably minded, designing products with thoughtful focus on fabric, and every piece is made to last a lifetime, guaranteed. Faherty is committed to community and the environment in all that they do, and this is why I love this company. They regularly donate to the Surfrider Foundation and 1% for the planet. The company is run by the Faherty family, and they're very hands-on in ensuring everything they do lives up to their values. And I love the women's clothes from Faherty. I describe their style as casual and elegant. Some of my favorite pieces right now are the winter white Montana moto coat. I love it. And the Paloma Duster cardigan and the Alice Cashmere sweater dress is so comfy and soft. So check out their website. All their clothes are absolutely gorgeous. Buying forever is the smartest way to shop, and now is the smartest time to do it. Right now you can get 25% off your next Faherty purchase when you go to FaheryBrand.com slash beans. That's Faherty, F-A-H-E-R-T-Y, brand.com slash beans for 25% off. Again, FaherdyBrand.com slash beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll blow on good news is on the way. And it's Friday. That means it's time for the good news with Amy Carrero. Amy, how are you? Hello, I'm good. We were just talking about how the weeks are just flying by, but not fast enough. <laughs> I, it's weird, right? Because... <gasps> yeah. <laughs> the days are shorter. I feel like it's midnight when it's six o'clock. Correct. And yet somehow the days are dragging on longer for being shorter, but the weeks go by fast, but then they seem to take forever. It's weird. It's just weird. <laughs> yes, we're in a weird time warp, but I'm so happy to be reading the good news. Yay. Yeah. I just don't understand time right now. So. <laughs> Same. But um, I think I, you know, I'm going to get one of those little Cornish game hens and make myself a tiny <gasps> personal Thanksgiving Yum. at home. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually so much classier than what I was going to do, which was just order two chicken breasts. <laughs> those are, that can be good though. But yeah, I just, did, I figured I could like make it in the instant pot because it's so tiny, you know? Yeah. Delish. And then I would have a little wishbone that I could do, you know. Anyway. That sounds incredible. You know, another thing too, real quick, is if, if mm -hmm. there's, if there's like, I think white truffles are in season now. If you could get your hands on like the smallest amount of white truffle, like, like a, like a, like a gram or whatever, and just shave that over some pasta, you don't even fucking need the bird. You know what I mean? You just need mm -hmm. pasta, butter and truffle and salt mm, that sounds amazing right i'm just saying that's an option there's so many ways to go right because i don't have to plan for 20 people so it's right <laughs> in fact i'm just planning for one so you can just right. pretty much do whatever the fuck you want yeah um uh but uh speaking of thanksgiving we're going to be off next friday so i'm gonna miss you but no, i'll miss you too um, yeah i'll send you depressing photos of my turkey breasts <laughs> Keep each other company. I bet it's actually going to be beautiful. It'll be a lovely dinner. We'll see. All right. You're like, we'll see. Uh, all right. Let's get to this good news here. If you have good news, whether it's personal or political, or if you need to make a correction to something that I've said that was stupid, or you need to make a quarantine confession, you can do all that at dailybeanspod.com and click contact. So here we go. First up is from Evan. Pronouns he and him. Evan says, hello, ladies. So that I like that. That's a nice opening. Mm, hello, Your ladies. Your podcasts. 
have been absolutely necessary for me the last years. I've listened to all the Mueller Report read-through episodes twice while reading along. Your podcasts have equipped me to meet the challenge of losing four of my very best friends of 10 to 20 years each after realizing their middle school-level rhetorical cruelty had to be taken seriously once that extraterrestrial mind-control fungus posing as a hairpiece <laughs> atop of that pile of uncooked bacon made their ideas policy. <laughs> I like Evan. <gasps> the uncooked bacon is so right. <laughs> At the end of 2018, I was suicidal, living alone and oh. working a dead-end job. But the following January, I met a magnificent woman who I love dearly and will be marrying next year. It would be a confession if I felt I needed to keep it secret, but I have been telling everyone. Um, sometime during the day, Friday after the election, someone along my route home stapled three Trump-Pence campaign signs to the overhead utility poles. When I was on my way home, I decided that since they were technically not hung legally, being stapled to utility poles, it was my civic duty to park my old truck under them, climb onto the roof of my western with my western-cut suit and my Stetson, and tear down that hateful litter. What I should have done is toss the three signs out my window on the highway in traffic in a traffic jam where everyone could run them over. <laughs> For pet tax, I submit a photo of my Shih Tzu Chihuahua Pomeranian Mutt Sprocket. Oh. Uh, first of all, a Western suit, a Stetson hat, and a Shih Tzu Chihuahua Pomeranian Mutt Sprocket. That is the be- most beautiful thing. Come on. This is a stylish, stylish Sprocket guy. Sprocket is 16 years old. He has six teeth. And when we go for walks, he always begins with a dead sprint for the first two blocks. <laughs> Good journalism, no matter how grim the truth, should never infuriate. And your work never does. I brag about listening to professionals like you, and I hope my future sons and daughters will admire you as much as I do. Oh, I just got look, chills. And I know, and, and look at the pupper. That's so, I mean, this Whoa. puppy is just everything. It's the head tilt inquisitive. Whoa. Look. And then the little tooth sticking out. Oh, well, that was so lovely. Thank you for sharing that, Evan. Yes, wonderful. Thank you. I'm so glad that you know you you found you found your partner for life, and things are looking up for for you and for the country. And I'm so happy to hear it. Hundred percent. What do we got next? Alrighty. So next up, we have. Uh, anonymous pronouns she her i have been listening to msw started since msw started and daily beans is my favorite news podcast not really a correction more of an elucidation in listening to ag's surprise at the polite chatter with the judge that she heard at the end of the hearing (laughs) and her discussion of it with harry Littman. I realized that as a judge, ooh, she's a judge, I totally understand what Judge Brand was doing. He was demonstrating nonpartisanship and civility, two critical attributes for a good judge. I, I, I do what he does all the time. It doesn't matter what I think about the arguments made before me or even my personal assessment of the skills or lack thereof of the attorneys before me. Once the work is over, once the work part is over, the hearing, the arguments, etc., I usually briefly chat pleasantly with the attorneys. I travel to hear cases, so often I am um, asking them for good local eatery recommendations, or I might ask about their families or remark about the weather. I see it as a way of making everyone understand that I am human just like them, but also that I am going to approach my job with as much fairness and lack of bias as I can. And AG, you will do fabulously in law school if you decide to go it's all about learning to think like a lawyer which you already do p.s attached is a photo of my one-year-old covid rescue pup baxter guarding his philly stew oh my god (laughs) he's like really taking this job seriously 
That's adorable. Oh, I love I Baxter. Love and thank you for that. Very adorable. Yeah, I had put that out like on the internet. I asked the hive mind, like, what is up with that? And uh, a lot of people came back and said, look, a lot of people don't like to, you know, tear into or they they like to be cordial with people who are about to lose, you know? like <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that would be very hard for I clearly could not ever be a judge because I don't know how I yeah, uh, yeah. It takes a very it's a it's a vocation. I could be like a judge Judy, like if I was allowed to like yeah, yeah, yeah. roll my eyes and tap my watch and uh, and, and exasperate swear. exasperatedly sigh every once in a while, I'd be okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd make a great TV judge, but other than that, not a very good. You would not very good at hiding my emotions. You would, and I'm an expert because I was on the Judge Christine show, and no, yes, and you would make. What was your? It was. I what was, was your civil claim. I was there with a, a friend of mine's claim who was suing an ex oh, who failed gotcha. to pay rent and stuff like that. Um, and we totally won, but yeah. You could totally oh, be yes. a TV judge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't don't put me in charge of real stuff. Okay. <laughs> she runs court. Do it. Um, yeah. She runs court. <laughs> next up. <laughs> Dude, you would be so great. That'd be a fun segment. Just like, please send in your, your like small claims, petty, or not even small claims, just like petty bullshit that you have with your friends. Yeah. And I'll like pick a side, but like a, a really, in, in like a really sassy way. You know, it makes for good entertainment in 2020. Yeah, we could do a little Amy's Court. I, I, I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, next up from Amber, pronouns she and her. Hi, AG and DG and Amy. I have both good news and a confession. I just started tuning in again this past week after taking a long quarantine hiatus from podcast listening. This started back in March when life as we knew it came to a screeching halt and I wasn't able to find the solitude or focus to put earbuds in and listen to anything but music. I've missed you all greatly. I have to do some catching up. My brain has been in a thick 2020 fog that felt inescapable up until the night I watched Vice President-elect Harris and President-elect Biden speak live on television. That evening, I toasted champagne with a few friends outside while we watched with tears of joy and were finally able to take deep, fresh breaths of relief. The next day, my mind seemed to clear and relaxed enough to focus on a podcast. Naturally, I downloaded the Daily Beans feed to the allay of the nagging fear that somehow Trump is going to finagle another four-year term. You have soundly delivered the peace and calm I needed. Thank you. I've been a longtime listener, starting back with Muller, she wrote, when I heard AG's interview on the 45th podcast with Rabia Chaudhry and Susan Simpson. Uh, I've never written until now because I finally have pics to send for the pet tax. My husband is allergic <laughs> to animals, but surprised us last Christmas with a photograph of a puppy and a note saying he was on board with us getting our first family dog. The search oh. began immediately. And Maverick came home to us over the summer. He's six months old, Eurasia, oh. who is stubborn oh. as an ox, but makes up for it with all of his adorable floof. Isn't he a handsome <gasps> boy? <gasps> oh, my God. What a fluffy little guy. Look at the paws. I know. It's like a... It looks like tiger paws. I, this was a... What a beautiful dog. I've never heard of a Eurasia. It's gorgeous. Me neither. Oh, gosh. E-U-R-A-S-I-E-R. What a gorgeous pup. Very fancy pup. Like, you know, that's the kind of pup, like, 
this is not a junkyard dog. This is like this fancy dog. This is a pal- palace dog, a fancy dog. Mm-hmm. My dog's a junkyard dog, but it's very cute. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, the next one is from anonymous, pronounced she/her. Hello, lovely bean ladies. I have some wonderful news to share with all of you. This past weekend, me and my fiance tied the knot Woo. with just our parents in a socially distant outdoor wedding. Woohoo! Afterwards, we had champagne and tiramisu cake. Oh, yum! At some benches at the park. We were originally supposed to get married at a winery this past September, but due to COVID, we had to shift all of our plans to next year. We have not told many people, but we are secretly celebrating the nuptials. If we never got a chance at a real wedding, I am perfectly happy with the knowledge, with knowing that we said I do in front of the uh, four most important people in our lives, our parents. Thank you, ladies, for all that you do, and I love listening to the pod. P.S. We had a few people on FaceTime watching the ceremony, the best man and matron of honor. <gasps> oh, my gosh. And they send a picture. There is a tier, that is oh, a tiramisu so entire cake of tiramisu. That, and listen, I that's exactly the way to do it. I mean, just give me the tiramisu cake. Who wants like a fondant covered cake at the one? You know what I mean? Like nobody really likes fondant. Just give me the good stuff. I'm glad that they decided to go this route. I approve. Oh, and what a good look couple how awesome congratulations so awesome congratulations hooray such good news next up from anonymous he and him are the pronouns i'll admit that things are bad i'm just about to deploy overseas on military operations i will really miss my family i'll probably spend christmas day sleeping on a hangar floor in cyprus waiting for the royal air force to sort my flight into theater and i'll miss my pod pets i'll also miss several months of beans as i'm not allowed anything wi-fi or bluetooth connecting while i'm away However, despite all of that, there is good news. The U.S. will shortly no longer have an orange fascist as its head of state. (laughs) I'll have the hope that when I come back and get back on comms that the tangerine toss pot might be in prison, one can wish. The pod dogs are good dogs, and I'm sure I'll have the best welcome ever when I come home in a few months. Jesse and Ruby are both Shih Tzu Yorkies and are very good dogs. Plus, I'll get another shiny medal, which will be a lot more interesting than my last one. And then, look at these babies. (gasps) Babies. Oh, my God. The last picture with them hugging. And the blep. is too much. Yes. Well, thank you, Anonymous, and thank you for your service. Yes, thank you for your service. We'll be thinking about you. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Those babies are so cute. Okay. The next one is from... Oh, Breaking good news. Breaking good news. (gasps) Oh. Um, what oh my god we've never had one joe biden has maintained his lead in georgia after the state completed its hand recount of five million presidents trump loses again trump loses again oh just count them i'm just so tired of winning you know like i'm just i'm actually not it's been great i mean we've waited five years for this four or five years for this so I, i'm keep on the wins spinning from the winning I can't wait to hear tomorrow. Like I was saying, I can't wait to hear this episode before my stuff because I'm just dying to know what you said about Rudy Giuliani's. <laughs> not And not just like the weird hair. You know, I, I have so many thoughts. We don't have time for them. But I just want to say, fellas, if you're going to use any kind of hair colorant that is temporary, make sure you use one that doesn't streak down your face if you're in a really hot room. Yeah. I'm just saying. It's really the least anybody can do. How about that shade from Ayatsi? Oh, that was the best. I, truly, the best thing they could have said. And it's so true because you know that he was just sitting there with his topics trying to do it himself. I know. I know. Yeah. So basically that what is the International Alliance of Theater. Um, state or, or state. 
screen stage screen. stage theater stage theatrical stage employees right yes and yes it's the union yeah. for you know pretty much everything hair makeup you know <laughs> i think everything but transportation actually yeah it's a massive union and they tweeted massive. that picture of rudy giuliani and said this is why you should have members of the union do your hair and makeup at all times <laughs> Listen, it was one thing we can rely on is for the hair and makeup people to always have the tea. When you walk into the makeup hair trailer, you know that they know everybody's business because they, they're they around the most people for the most amount of time. And so I'm so glad that they brought that into social media. So now everybody can enjoy mm. the shade. Mm, so good. Love that. Okay, cool. So let's move on. We have Jeremy, he, him. Uh, writing, I was reflecting on what an absolute shit year this has been in general for our family. And I mentioned to my wife how nothing good has come of 2020. This was when the election was still not called. My wife mentioned that she could think of one good thing and I knew exactly what she meant. My foster daughter came to us on January 9th at five months old. She was placed with us in California, her way, her by way of Texas, because we happened to have adopted her older siblings. Oh with foster kids, I know, right? If With foster kids, if there isn't a family member to meet the requirements to take the placement uh, when then placing with siblings becomes a priority. I don't know if that made sense. Does that make sense the way I read it? I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, not going to lie. We were also very <laughs> pro- proactive in this process. We maintain a speaking relationship with the biological parents, and I knew this was coming. Fast forward to this Monday at 7 in the morning. Mercer became our forever daughter, happily joining her older sister and brother in the happiest foster fail ever. And it is the most unique of the three adoption stories because the court proceedings took place over Zoom. This makes for, uh, my God, I can't read today and it's really sad. This makes for us hopefully three great things that have happened this year. A year where a dumpster fire was turned into an out of control wildfire thanks to who is in charge. Thank you for your show, which I still feel I need more than ever. Pictures of the kiddos attached. Mercer is wearing the same t-shirt both of the older siblings wore on the day they became permanent members of our family. Oh. <gasps> Oh my gosh, these kiddos are so okay. sweet. Okay, so this the little one here looks like the girl from Monsters oh. Inc. The oh my gosh, yes, with the little pigtails, exactly. Oh my god, how cute are these kiddos? I wonder if the older ones are twins. They look like they're the same age. Yeah. Oh, they're so beautiful. What a honey. What honey is so oh. sweet. The three of them, a trio of honeys. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Yes, thank you so much. I, I have a few friends that are in the foster process, and it can be so um, complicated and heart wrenching because you never know if the fa- you know the biological family you know wants them back or whatever. So there's like a period of time that is just so excruciating while you're waiting for things to be permanent. So I'm so glad that this had a very 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 happy ending for everybody. What a lovely family. Thank you so much for sending that in. Thanks for all of your good news stories. And congratulations to Joe Biden for winning Georgia twice. Good job. And um, <laughs> uh, and also something very important that came out of that Georgia recount, the Dominion voting machines, which is a, a conspiracy theory that Trump is on about. Um, they hand counted these ballots, five million of them. <laughs> and what they found was that the hand count matched the oh. the software machine counts so there was no amazing 
hack or problem with the Dominion software uh, in, in the vote uh, counting, because that's what that software was for. Right, right. We knew that was going to happen, but just it's so nice to have it in black and white. And, you know, I just can't wait for the barrage of tweets we're going to get from the current occupant of the White House. I'm very, very much looking forward to that sh- whatever that German word is, Schadenfreude or whatever. (laughs) Yes. I think this means that we get to celebrate again and have, you know, a split of wine or half a bottle of wine to myself tonight. (laughs) Whatever, however much it is, it's fine. Um, But yeah, very, very, very exciting. Yeah, we just get to keep this celebrating uh, these election wins over and over. Um, I know, I love it. But, you know, not to underscore the damage that Trump is trying to do, is just is successfully doing to our democracy in a way that we look around the world mm-hmm. to other people who are like, um, you're supposed to be yeah. the number one, uh, you know, super tight yeah. election place where we're supposed to feel super yeah. confident. So anyway. I never listened to Fox News as a rule, but today I, CNN wasn't covering the Rudy Giuliani and I was in the car with my husband and he was like, let's just listen into what he's saying. I truly couldn't believe that, that they didn't cut away from that. Truly. Like, I, I, I know you've already talked about it, but I just had to say, like, the stuff that they put out on some of these networks is just dangerous. It's bad for democracy and just bad for, like, people's brains because it's all not true. Yeah, 100%. But... Um, things are going to start looking brighter in January. Um, and we'll just keep bringing you the news. We'll just keep True telling that. you what happens between now and then. And, uh, yep. um, until, until I guess, Amy, we won't, we won't talk again for another couple of weeks, but I hope you have a wonderful holiday. I hope you do too. And again, I will be sending you pictures <laughs> of my spread and you can send me pictures of yours. It'll be great. We'll keep each other company. <laughs> Sounds good. Everybody, until next time, uh, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. And I've been Amy Carrero. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>